The Kaplan Community Podcast is a place to catch up with Kaplan Business School alumni. We talk about life after graduation, what we're doing now, careers, opportunities, and future plans. This podcast is exciting because it features alumni who have made amazing transitions. I'm Kieran Howard, the Alumni and Industry Partnerships Manager at KBS. And my name is Dr. Richard Stager, the MBA Course Director at KBS. Hi there, this is Mia. Well, before I came to Australia, I was a mortgage broker uh, based in China. So today we have Mia Du on the on the cast. She is from the class of 2016, uh, Bachelor of Business. Thank you for being on the podcast. How are you doing? Um, I'm good, thank you. And thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, of course. It's it's great to have you. When we spoke beforehand, I was excited to have you on because not not just for your your energy and and how we've interacted, but also you're a different sort of guest on this podcast mm-hmm. because you're the first guest that we've had who is undergoing a major career transition uh-huh. by changing between industries. And, you know, one of the themes of this podcast is transitions in life and career. It's a big challenge. So can you share what change you are currently making in your career? I would say um, because I I had worked as a mortgage broker for eight years based on China. Um, my my main work was provide um, the, the, the end-to-end home loan. Uh, services to my clients um, and into this process I have to build up the relationship and, and and the trust with my clients and I would say my work was like a people work but here in Australia accounting I, I studied majoring in accounting but accounting is likely um, more likely a, a paperwork at least for me, I had worked as a mortgage broker for 80 years based on China. And um, uh, I provided end-to-end home loan services to my clients. And I had to identify clients' needs and choose the best solution to them and, and build up relationships and, and, and trust with them and guide them to finalize the process. And I would say my, my job was more likely a paperwork, a, a people work. But uh, regarding to what I'm, uh, uh, what I had studied here in Australia, accounting is more likely a paperwork for me. And accounting is a skill widely applied to different industry. And accounting is in- intensely used in finance, which regarding to my industry, uh, such like risk control, uh, risk management, or uh, credit ana- uh, analysis. Because we have to be able to understand a financial report to flag the, the risk. Uh, and a study in accounting doesn't mean I have to be an accountant. So this is, yeah, this is difference between accounting and my industry and uh, um, kind of transitions I have to do here in Australia. You're saying that you're getting into finance because you're, more of a, a people person that you you wish to do something that'll be interacting more with others. And do you feel like that fits your so it fits your interest? Does it fit your skill sets as well? Because it's a different set of skills to to the paperwork that you described. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Um as I as I've mentioned, like I, I worked as a mortgage broker for eight years. 
with that eight years, my skill set built up from that time. So I have to deal with people. I have to interact with my clients. So I think all of these are like communication skill or decision-making skill or whatever regarding this. All the skills and qualities I possess are, are transferable from China to here, to Australia. Yes, I'd agree with that. I think finance is more of a people thing, particularly mortgage broking, because you're dealing with someone's, you know, the personal wealth and their hopes and dreams of, of yes. being secure one day and, and financially well off. Mm-hmm. Can I ask, what do you think is the difference between a Chinese person who wants a mortgage and an Australian? The, the needs, not only in compliance, but in their personal fears, their dreams, their hopes, everything associated with taking on such a big debt. Oh, yeah. Um, there's so many uh, differences, I would say. But the, the main thing, like I, I just realized it recently because they for um, not only for Chinese, like m- most of the, the Asian people, we do saving since we were little. Because we, yeah, we, we do like uh, accumulate um, like kind of wealth uh, since we were little. We got the family education, like you have to save some money for whatever secure. But here in the, the Western countries, maybe people more likely to enjoy their life. Maybe they are use their money to a holiday, to get a new car, to, to do whatever they like. So here is the, the main difference. So what I, want to, uh, what I want to get in the industry, like uh, wealth management or, or a mortgage broking, I want to deliver a service and also uh, idea or philosophy to my clients that you have to do some work to save your money, to build up your future life. Oh, that's so, that's so important. And I, I myself have been involved. I've never been a financial advisor myself, but I've been involved with financial advice for quite a long time, particularly related to ethics and professionalism uh-huh. uh, that came out of the, the Banking Royal Commission. So what do you think is the, is the difference between Australia and China in terms of compliance? Do we require more compliance or do we have more, more latitude? And yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. Also, another main difference is the, the regulations. We have different laws, uh, different like uh, industry structures and, and different compliance to the, the, the same industry. Because what, like, what I've been doing is, is um, catching up all the, the regulations. I can't, uh, I, I, I've got the RG146 uh, certificate from Kaplan for a professional. Yeah, this is the yeah, very popular one, I think. Um, and current, currently, I am doing a certificate four of finance and mortgage broking. That is more uh, specific on mortgage broking industry, the, the regulations, the, the rules, the policies. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite enjoying Oh, it's good to hear RG146. That's music to my ears. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. And look, I, where I think there, there is a real opportunity that Chinese citizens coming into Australia to buy their home, they uh-huh. need to have that advice to help them make that transition to settle into Australia. Uh-huh. So you having that background and being able to relate to, to those the, the customers coming in and getting settled into Australia, 
good on you. You have a, a special talent there, and I wish you well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is. It is a big advantage having having that sort of dual cultural background um, and exposure, especially in in Australia. It, it does occasionally come with challenges. I know that in the employment search, language can be a big factor as well. I, I'm studying studying Chinese as well. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Mandarin or Cantonese? Mandarin. Mandarin. Yeah, beautiful language. And I, I have to say, I have to say, after studying Spanish and Portuguese, a bit of Swahili, oh, um, wow. Chinese is by far the biggest language jump I've encountered from English. Uh-huh. And so the communication, the amount that your brain must have to stretch to be able to communicate, not just in terms of language, but also just cultural norms. Do you find that when you're dealing with these interpersonal interactions, was it a challenge learning to be able to communicate well and build those relationships? Oh, well, um, I would say English is the, the number one challenge for every international students. It is a, is a must for us to to gain a a level of sufficiency quickly. And this go straight into career development. So what I've been doing is listening to the the, like BBC English podcast and reading books and and, uh, catch up for uh, with everyday news. That's all the ways to study English. Yeah, the language is a big barrier, actually. Yes, it is. Well, so you've gone and gotten a more formal education in in finance. You've gotten certified, and you're improving your your English as well. Your English is fantastic, by the way. Oh, thank and, you so um, much. Yes. Thank you, really. Um, actually, no, it, I don't, actually, I don't have that much confidence of my language. <laughs> oh, well, well, you sound confident. It's it's great, and. What other sort of things would you do to cultivate your employability? How will you make yourself very ready and attractive for the job market? Learning is a lifelong matter to me. It's a lifelong journey. So I divide it into two parts. The first one is um, like which I am focusing now, our industry certifications offered from Kaplan Professional. The purpose of this study is to be work ready. And the second part uh, of my study is like a long-term pursuit. Uh, I am interested in um, a MBA, a law degree, or even a biology degree. So I may do one of them or all of them because knowledge is, is not that heavy. I can carry as much as I can. So you're going law, finance, accounting, and then biology. That, oh yeah, I am an animal lover. <laughs> that is lifelong learning. What is it that attracts you about working in Australia? Why why mm-hmm. Australia versus China versus some other country? Oh yeah, because um, Australia is like more freedom, and work life balance here is more likely to reach out. And also, the the weather here is extremely good. <laughs> I like it. And so, Mia, what what part of China are you from? Uh, Beijing. Oh, okay, Beijing. So, from yeah. a very, very large city, very and large. and Sydney for you, it it must seem like a, a relatively small city. You know, they say networking 
is so important in business and here especially, you know, it's who you know. People end up getting to know many people in their industry. Uh-huh. But I'm wondering, as we've talked about the sort of cultural advantage you may have, are you aspiring to work more within the Chinese Australian community uh-huh. or more with a Divert people from diverse backgrounds. Oh well, I would say like a multi-culture background. I would like to uh, join the 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 working environment like this, because um, if let's say I join the community Australian Chinese or Chinese Australian, that I have to speak in English and in Mandarin both. But if I do speaking in Mandarin, I don't need to work here. I ha- I had a very good career path back back in China. So uh, what I want to do is also improve my English skill because in a Western country, in a Western world, English is the key to open up the door. So I would love to to enjoy the the like the, the Western or a, a local company here in Australia. Yeah, and I, and also not only the language. I want to dive into your culture and dive into your values. That's totally different. So if we talk about diving into our culture, what kind of hobbies, what kind of things would you like to do? I uh, like hiking. I, I, I love to go hiking. Because while the hi- hiking, uh, I would see uh, so many different spe- species on the way to the hiking. That, that makes sense. <laughs> That's your biology interest. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that I love doing, I, I love to hike. I do that quite a bit. I scuba dive. Australia is quite an outdoors country to live in. We're quite health conscious, even though, you know, a lot of us still need to be a bit more healthy, but the Mm -hmm. average Australian is quite health conscious. What other sport would you like to get into? So there's hiking, all kinds of things. I like badminton. Somehow um, I went to go badminton. Yeah, badminton with with my my colleagues just to keep the, the, the activities and also doing the networking with them. Karen, I don't know about you, but I think badminton is definitely an eclectic sport in Australia. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's not what I was expecting. That's that's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mia, I think it's fantastic how how sort of geared towards learning you are and that you you strive to keep on learning. I'm also wondering, many of our alumni have actually studied at multiple Kaplan institutions around the world and, and here in Australia. And actually, Richard has worked at multiple Kaplan institutions as well. Oh, and, wow. and I'm interested, how was the experience in studying? Uh, you know, we're on the same team, but we've got different specialties. How was it studying Kaplan Professional and Kaplan Business School? Well, both of them are really good. It is like you have the, the fully structure of study. Kaplan Business School is more likely uh, giving you a degree. This is the first step. You uh, you are able to get into the Australian market. But back to Kaplan Professional, they are more focusing on a certificate or the license to boost your um, career. And that license actually from Kaplan Professional actually really is important because it's such a regulated industry. Yeah. And you have such a responsibility for customer care. Mm-hmm. Just making sure that you give the, the proper advice in whatever field, yes, both management and mortgaging. Yeah. So it is a good, I can see very much a, a, a good transition from Kaplan Business School to Kaplan Professional in this in this route. So mm-hmm. I wish you well. 
What? So you've, you've have you already got your certificate for from Kaplan Professional? Oh, sorry? not yet. I'm currently on it. Well, the next step might be a Master of Finance. Who knows? <laughs> Mia, I'm interested in employability. It's a it's a big interest of mine. I used to be a careers advisor, and it's something at KBS that we invest a lot of planning into around our students. Mm-hmm. The well, let's talk for a bit about how to become more employable and also the job search strategy. So besides education, you've mentioned getting formal education. Besides that, how do you cultivate the skills necessarily to actually get the job, such as resume, Uh cover letter, interview? Uh What are you currently working on in that space? Well, this is like recruitment process needs some technique actually. So um, the first thing is we have to target the industry and the jobs you really like, you really are into, and and make up your mind uh, where where you want to go. And then do some homework of the the job description and and the the job requirements to get uh, to know more about the the, the job. And then like the resume and the cover line cover letter is really, really important. But you have to make it very attractive to the HRs because they won't know you through just a resume, but resume is the, the first impression to, to get into the job. And then trying to, to get the chance of an interview. No, it doesn't matter a phone interview or an in-person video interview, uh, video interview or whatever. Just let them know you. Let you just get the chance to to let them know who you are, because they won't know your your, your soft skills through your uh, resume. Because maybe you are good at communicating, you are good at motivating, you you are a good team leader, but that's all need a a talk in person. And also before you go to an interview, do enough research of the company background, to know their culture, to na- uh, know their values. That's also very important to, to do your homework before you go. And while on the interview, just be confident, just be yourself. That is the, the, the best way you perform on an interview. And also what I wanna say is after the interview, if you are good enough, you will get the offer then congratulations. If not, be mentally prepared to of no's. You will get so many rejections. It is true. So you have to um, adjust by yourself, like psychologically. And also what I've been doing is find the, the person, find the, the interviewer through LinkedIn and add them on LinkedIn. If possible, ask them a, a genuine feedback like what was my performance? Uh, do you have any uh, suggestions or, or, or whatever? This is a way of how we improve ourselves. And also just by the way, we expand our networking. Wow, yeah, that is that is a lot. You definitely <laughs> have mastered a lot of the skills of employability. You've talked <laughs> about you've talked about resumes. Uh, and I've always said that if you've sent out, many resumes and haven't gotten your interview yet, 
then something's wrong with that resume or or the jobs you're applying to. I love that you emphasized you've got to be interested in the job. Yes, exactly. The uh, You've also talked about preparing for interviews ahead of time, using LinkedIn and being prepared for rejection. Yeah. I'm wondering, Richard, you've, you've worked with many current students also who are job seekers. And do you have any common tips or advice that you'd recommend for those who are in between jobs, making career change or, or in, in the job search process? That job search is, is, is one of my major interests because everyone goes through periods of unemployment, whether it's through structural change or you're just deciding to move. So it's prioritizing life. For example, the stress of not having any money coming in, some people will not do anything. You know, their work-life balance, they just sit at home, they start getting depressed, they don't feel like they can afford anything, and they stop having fun. And Mia, you mentioned that too. It's it's about saving money, yes, but it's about enjoying life. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes yeah. job seekers don't enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And then when they go to the job interview, they come across as though they're really desperate for that job and they actually scare people. So on from the interviewer's side, that desperation comes through and, and it raises alarm bells. So my biggest advice would be to use that time to relax, to do further education, network, use your network. And that's something that a lot of people do because they're they feel some perhaps embarrassed, so they don't leave the neighborhood. They won't network, and that's a big mistake. So, Kieran, that would be look my top tips in a really general emotional way is just make sure you stay connected with your networks. Don't let your networks get cold and, and old, and make sure that you still have that the fun in life that makes you an exuberant person that makes you attractive to go to work with, rather than someone who's looking like you're anxious. Yeah, Mia, what what I really like is your your confidence, the that you as as Richard has said, exuberance and and appreciation for life, learning and and confidence. Now, you've mentioned rejection and so has Richard. That is a common theme to anybody who's looking for jobs and it's it's necessary to face. How do you face this? How do you keep on going despite Despite the fact that, of course, you're going to get back those letters, uh, we've gone with another candidate. How do you deal with that? Yeah, uh, well, I, I will take a little bit break of that. Unfortunately, just take like two to three days, totally relax, doing whatever I want, go somewhere, just brace the the the, the fresh air. And then after that, I know I need a job and I want to pursue my dream as well. So I have to be fully loaded again. You know, I get that. And being, for me, being fully loaded, I have to exercise. I have to get out and, and, and run. I, I sometimes, I ride a motorcycle. So sometimes putting that helmet on where I shut the entire world out and just go down the, the street, that makes me feel really relaxed. So i I really do understand from a personal level when you say getting loaded, it just means being being getting back in touch with today and reality rather than yeah. worrying about the future. Yeah, exactly. Now we've talked about employability. I'm actually interested in another theme, Mia, because you have a lot of experience in especially in China. And what would your tips be for as as you are now a 
qualified to give some financial wisdom, what would be your experience for somebody who's looking to accrue wealth or or has big financial goals for other alumni? Yeah, I'm actually financial industry is huge. And they are plenty of jobs to go around. And I would suggest the, the, the graduates to ask themselves what they are really interested in and make up their mind firstly, as I've mentioned before. Like in order to do that, they need to educate themselves a little bit by reading financial media or financial news, or et cetera. And there are like commercial banks, uh, investment banks, insurance companies, and um, uh, they can go into brokerage, lending, uh, trading, and, and many others. And the key is to pursue their interest. I had a career in banking and I, and I did love it. I really did. <laughs> and the fascinating thing for me is I was in an area that most people don't even think of. I was in finance IT. So I took care of making sure that transactions from, from a credit card into the bank account that it was secure, safe, that kind of finance IT, making sure that we could prepare customer statements and account statements that customers could read and they were accurate and solving problems. A very niche area, it actually employed quite a number of people. And that's how I, it was due to banking, that's how I got into my project management career. I worked in the banks and I have a lot of respect for the banks, but I was actually an IT project manager. And people would never think, probably, looking on the outside, that those kind of careers are available in banking. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you've also talked about, it seems that you're very involved in following your passion. And, and you've made a big personal choice to go and, and change your career around what you're interested in. And that's just great. What what else are you um, passionate about or or dreaming of that you you see for your future? Uh, well, I I would really love to build up my career here in Australia because for me I am I am very new to the Australian market. Like currently, I, I've been hunting hunting jobs and uh, um. Also, some like negative thing happened. I couldn't get a like my dream offer. But for the for the the future plan, I would love to um start it with a, a um entry level role, entry level position to build up my career here in Australia. Kieran and I are both immigrants as well, so we actually can really empathize with what you're going through and trying to transition into Australia. Mm-hmm. I was educated in the United States and I was going to be a manufacturing engineer oh, and wow. to Sydney mm-hmm. and there's very little manufacturing. So mm-hmm. I ended up doing something completely different. Oh yeah. And do I, I have no regrets. The lifestyle and the careers and the opportunities I've had in Australia are wonderful. And Kieran, what about yourself? You've, I know that you've gone from several different studies and academic backgrounds to what you're doing now. Yes, I know. I certainly had a winding path. I originally was going to be an anthropologist. Then I took several years to be a musician, traveling around, and I wound up in education. And I would say, Mia, that yes, 100%, you've got to be interested in what you're doing. And that's the only way I've been able to 
make those career changes as well. Because just like you're saying, you've got to focus on transferable skills and also focus on the areas that you need to grow. Yeah. yeah. And I think the key there is, is what I think we all three agree is that if you don't have that, that passion, then you won't sustain the effort and we don't want anyone to give up. So that the passion is important to maintain momentum. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. I think that's really important for our current students and our graduates, everyone out there going through these transitions to, to remember is to not give up, to stay determined. And our other guests have, have also said similar things in their journeys, that determination is, is a big part of success. Yes, yes, it is. Mia, do you have any other advice that you would give to any students now? We have a program called What's Next that is for students who are in their final trimester of study at KBS. Mm -hmm. And we try and give them some advice and opportunities, resources to help them with that transition from being a student to being a graduate. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's career focused. Do you have any advice that you would recommend for somebody who is right about to graduate from, from KBS or any institution? Um, oh yeah, what I want to say and what I want to suggest is don't waste all your time. Like what I did, I waste like two to three years in a wrong position. It's not my interest in. So what I want to say to the graduate, the new graduates is to like focus on what whatever you like, whatever you are into, and don't waste your time. Just straightforward, get into it, and and don't never give up, and you will be there. Fantastic! I think that's wonderful advice, Mia. So, thank you so much for your time and being on the podcast. It's been really interesting to learn more about you and your search and. Wish you all of the best with yeah. everything you're doing to, to grow and improve yourself. I think there are very bright things in the future. Thank you, Mia. And I wish you well in your finance career and mortgage broking in the future. Thank you so much. And thank you for your time. I appreciate it. The Kaplan Community Podcast presents an opportunity to think about things differently by listening to a diversity of opinions from our Kaplan Business School alumni, Karen Howard and me, Dr. Richard Stager. The podcast is published every Wednesday night. Search for the Kaplan Community Podcast on your favorite podcast player, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We invite you to find out more about our guest speakers from our LinkedIn group. Search for the Kaplan Business School Alumni Community. Please rate each episode to help us reach more listeners.